you know, it started as an act of desperation um, and really became even more of my call. Welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Join us as we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips to help your ministry multiply its digital impact. So today I'm excited to have Mitch Matthews joining us. Mitch is an entrepreneur, a motivational speaker, a success coach, and also the host of the Dream, Think, Do podcast. So, so Mitch, actually, he just lives down the interstate from me in Des Moines, Iowa, and we connected a couple months ago, and I really enjoyed connecting with him. So welcome, Mitch. Glad to have you Thank on the you show. Thank you so much, Chad. It's an honor to get to be here. I'm excited about it. Great. Well, our audience is are the digital leaders in ministries around the world, and your passion is helping leaders and future leaders succeed. So I thought it'd be great for our audience to hear some of the things that, that you've learned along the years and some of the things that you've shared with the audiences that you talk with. So, so first, can you just walk us through your experiences that brought you to the place where you're a life coach and a podcast host today? Sure. Absolutely. Um, so interestingly enough, I think, um, you know, one of the, the, the things that makes me so appreciative, appreciative of the season that I'm in currently is that I've had bad fit seasons. Maybe you've had a little bit of that too, where uh, you know I was in the pharmaceutical world for about 15 years. And when I started in that industry, it was a great fit. Um, it was, you know, I enjoyed the work that I was doing. Uh, the industry, you know, was, was uh, it meshed with who I was, all of that. But as I grew and as the industry changed, it really became a bad fit. And uh, in the last couple of years of that season of my life, um, I really was introduced kind of in the, in some ways, the first time to that experience of having a position that, you know, was kind of sucking away my will to live, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, kind of killing who I was and not necessarily because it was a bad job. It was just a bad fit job. And, um, you know, I, I started to think I've got to do something differently, and, and I knew that, you know, part of that and, and, you know, part of that was through prayer. Part of that was through just kind of exploring who I was at the time was to, to know that I didn't want to just jump to something else as a knee jerk thing. I really wanted to be intentional. And so as I started to dive into trying to figure out, like, how have people figured out a good fit career? How have people moved into what might be called a dream job? How have they done that? I started to realize there are patterns, there are systems for being able to do that. And I started to realize, gosh, I enjoy this. Like I enjoy thinking about it for myself, but I enjoy the thought of helping others to do that as well. And so I, I started kind of on this journey of, of figuring it out for myself, but with the thought of maybe just maybe part of my call was to actually turn around and help others hmm. to do that as well. So in some ways I say that, you know, it looked like an altruistic adventure, but it was honestly a kind of a self-centered journey to kind sure. of figure myself out, but then also to turn around and help as many others to do the same. And so I really, that, that was kind of my, the course that I set was I got training as a coach um, and uh, then started to do that 
on a national and then an international level. And as, as a part of that, I, a lot of the strategies that I was learning and then helping others with it, you know, helped in a one-on-one -on -one context, but it also started to help organizations. Um, and so I started to do more and more keynotes and, and, you know, training and workshops and retreats and those kinds of things. So it really, you know, it started as an act of desperation um, and really became even more of my call. No, that's, that's great. It's interesting how God can lead us and uh, he, he can cause us to be in positions of discomfort to help us get out of our comfort zone and absolutely and, and take a next, uh, a next step. You yeah. Know, you, you use the word intentional. Yes. And uh, you know, striving to be intentional. That's one of the things that, that, that we try to be, to do is to be intentional with what we're doing, whether it's in digital or other places, what are, what are some of the ways, like walk me through that process. How do you help a person be intentional about really what I hear you saying is discovering their calling for yeah. how, what they can be doing. Yeah. Interestingly enough, you know, it, it's, it's, in, uh, as a coach, you know, I work with, uh, uh, you know, as a success coach, I guess I work with oftentimes executives, entrepreneurs, leaders, founders, and it's funny, you know, in this context, I think you'll, you'll fully understand when I first got training as a coach, I thought, that's it. I'm going to be a Christian coach. Right. Uh, but I prayed about it and God's like, I don't want you to be a Christian coach. I want you to be a coach that's a Christian. I want you to be able to help yeah. people that would identify as Christians, but I would also love for you to help people that haven't stepped into a church in years, um, or maybe have never even identified as, as faith or religion as being an important thing. He's like, I want you to work with them yeah. too. And so what's interesting is, is that uh, a lot of my clients, you know, faith is an important thing. Um, at the same time, a lot of my clients, it's not, at least when we mm -hmm. first get started. Uh, but the process can be the same. Um, and that is first to kind of go back. We always say, you know, I do with different activities to help them get back to their original DNA. And interestingly enough, part of that journey is actually getting back, getting reacquainted with things that have brought you joy, uh, getting back and connected with things that you've loved to do at different seasons of your life. And we have different activities to help them do that. Um, you know, but one of them specifically is to come up with a, a list of a hundred things that you love or have loved to do. And it seems like the most benign, simple thing. Sometimes even, you know, some of my really successful clients, uh, you know, will almost be like, really? So, you know, like, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, you know, kids game, isn't it? It's like, yeah, I know, I know. So simple. Exactly. So touchy feely. Um, you know, I even had somebody call it cute once. That sounds cute. It's like, yeah, I know. Give it a try. Right. And it's interesting because, um, for a lot of people, the experience is 25 will come pretty easily, you know, 20 to 25 will come pretty easily. Then it starts to slow down. Right. And some people will just bail. I literally will, you know, have people just return a list of 25 things saying, Hey, you know, this was hard. This is harder than I thought. Um, but, but if you stick with it, then usually the filter starts to come off. You know, I'll even have clients say like, Oh gosh, you know, after 25 or 26, I gave up on trying to figure out what you were asking me to do. And I just, threw anything down on the paper that I thought would come. And, sure. and that's when you really start to get to some of those things they really enjoy, the mm -hmm. things that they're really good at. Uh, you know, and it's funny. I, I always say any response is totally welcome. You know, and, and we get some pretty funny things from time to time. Um, but I'll give you an example of how this plays out. I was working with an entrepreneur who had started a tech firm, interestingly mm -hmm. enough. And uh, she was about five or six years in 
to her business and it was thriving. It was, it was wildly successful. But when she came to me, she's like, Mitch, I think I want you to coach me into selling my business. I think mm-hmm. I want to quit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's great. I said, no problem. I, you know, oftentimes, you know, part of my job is helping them make big decisions. I said, I, I will totally do that as long as one of the options, one of the things that remains on the table is you staying with the company, you keeping mm-hmm. the company. I said, you know, I'm, I'm willing to work with you on anything, but can we keep the door open to all options? And she's like, sure. So we did this activity. And she, you know, she thought it was fun. She thought it was funny, all those things, but she didn't really think it was all that revealing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she got to the hundred and, and we also did an additional 50 of things you love to do as a kid. And what was interesting is, is that one of the things that popped up on both lists was she loved puzzles. That was one of the mm-hmm. things she absolutely loved. She did puzzles with her grandparents. She did puzzles mm-hmm. with her family. She did puzzles on her own. Uh, you know, as an adult, she did puzzles, all of those things. So we started to talk about that. We started to look at the patterns. We started to think about that. We started to dig into it. And one of the things that that we started to realize was she's like, you know, actually, I got into this business. I got into coding specifically because I loved it. I loved puzzles, right? I loved to fix things. I loved it. And she's like, you know, the more we talked about that, I said, well, that's interesting. I said, do you feel like you're solving puzzles lately? And she's like, well, to be perfectly honest, the, the problems I'm solving now are HR problems and <laughs> revenue problems. And she's like, I don't, those aren't the same kind of puzzles. I don't get the same kind of enjoyment out of that. And so yeah. it was very, yeah. it was, it was this beautiful moment for her to realize like what she had done, like most founders do is they wind up starting something because they love something. And yeah. as that organization, as that business, as that enterprise grows, you wind up moving away from the very things you enjoy. So yeah. instead of selling, what she did was she hired some people to come in and do some of that, the work that she wasn't you know, enjoying and thriving in and getting back to problem solving, yeah. puzzle solving. And, you know, yeah. the business to this day is still thriving. So, you know, that, that touchy feely cute little activity was, you know, helpful in that case and in many others to get back to that original DNA. You, you know, I'm just thinking about the folks that like, before I started a company, I was working inside of a ministry yeah. And I was the guy who was doing the coding, doing the designing, managing the website. And then you kind of, you move up through the ranks, right? Right. For long, you're leading a team, then you're on the executive team. And, and, before, you know, the, the thing that sparked joy, maybe in the, in the early years, your, your role is completely different and right. learning that. And so, so I think that's really helpful for, for, as a person grows in their career to be able to, do, I could see the benefit of doing that exercise once in a while just periodically, just to be able to see, okay, am I still on track for not just what brings home the bacon, but, but for what, what brings joy? I, I love that. Absolutely. What, what, is, what is that that sparked joy in your, in, in, in your day to day? Absolutely. And it can be a really powerful exercise for you as an individual. It can be really powerful for you to do as a family, um, yeah. it, you know, yeah. and, and you really do have to make it okay to put anything down because if people start thinking, well, what would Chad want me to say? Well, what, you know, all yeah. those things, then, then it doesn't produce the same kind of result. Um, but it can be really powerful as a family, as a team, all of those things. So absolutely. And I think, yeah. you know, it's one of those that, that God, put us here for a reason in the specific time, you know, uh, in the specific era, the specific season with a specific gifting. 
And, you know, it just makes sense to say that, you know, if we're walking out our gifting, we don't have to love all that we do, but there's a good chance if we're really walking out our gifting, we should probably enjoy a big chunk of that, right? Like, um, and those should, those things should bring us some joy and satisfaction. So it's a good place to start. No, that's, that's good. Uh, You know, a lot of the ministries that we serve have a radio component or podcast component. And you've been in this podcast space since 2015. You're like a veteran at this. (laughs) So, so so what are some of the, like, what first, what led you to start a podcast? And then what are some of the lessons that you've had over the years? How have you grown your podcast? What are some of the things that you've done to, 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 to spark that? That's a great question. So one of the reasons why, um, that we created the podcast. There's multiple reasons. You, you know, you will, uh, people understand the, the importance of putting valuable content out Mm. to help you connect with your ideal client, to bring value, to help, you know, what it is you do to spread, but it's also to be a blessing. Right. And Mm. I know for us, that was a big part of it that I wanted to put out valuable content. That was a blessing to our ideal client, all of those things to make the world a better place. Um, and I was blogging at the time back in 2015, mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of blogging, but the way Are that my brain blogging? works, uh, no, I'm not. Okay. Well, it, it's, it, there is a blog component to my podcast, but yeah. I'm not blogging. And there, here's the reason why is that when I started to look at what I really enjoyed, what flowed naturally from me, I can write and I can, I enjoy writing, but the way that my brain works, writing, um, is a lot more laborious. Whereas if I'm going to speak to something, those ideas can come pretty fast, right? Like if, if I can put together an outline, if I can think through the big things that I want to speak to, you know, Hey, hit record and go for it. It's still work. Um, but I, you know, I enjoy that and it flows a lot more. I also, as a coach, uh, you know, part of my skill set is asking questions. So I realized for a podcast, you know, Hey, I'm not going to have every episode, you know, be an interview, but probably three out of four are going to be. So it's like, Hey, that, that plays to my strengths too. Plus, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a curious person. Um, and I also like to meet new, I'm an introvert, but I like to meet new people and really get into their heads, all of that. So I'm like, gosh, this just seems to play to my strengths. So we decided to go after the podcast. Now, uh, a number of things that I've learned because we did a few things right and a lot of things wrong is, um, you know, part of it was one, I had to give myself permission to focus on progress, not perfection. As a recovering yeah. perfectionist, yeah. that was really important, but progress, not perfection. That had to become yep. our mantra because, yep. you know, from the very start, I'm sure you've probably had that with, you know, this powerful podcast. When I was first getting started, none of my first episodes were good enough, right? Like, oh, <laughs> I, I better not put that one out there. That's embarrassing. Or or this yep. happened or that, that wasn't quite up to snuff. And I realized like, wait, if we wait for perfection, it's never going to get out there. It's never going to grow. It's never going to connect. Plus it's one of those that, you know, we have to know that, uh, you know, for us, you know, we're not perfect people and we have an audience of people that are not perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's that old thing of saying, Hey, if we try to sound perfect, we're probably not going to resonate there either. Right. (laughs) So it's that old thing of being able to say to focus on progress, not perfection. One of the other things that I had to realize is that like, I enjoyed the process. I, I was pretty good at it, but I also had to give myself an out. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause one of the things, I don't know about you, but w- you know, we, we got started, uh, we got some traction. We had some great guests right out of the gate, which was exciting, 
But all of a sudden it started to apply pressure. Like, oh gosh, now I've got to keep this ball in the air. Now there are all these expectations. Now I got to make sure that the audience grows. What if it doesn't grow? All of those things. And so I had to give myself an out um, Mm -hmm. enough so that I could say, hey, I want to be able to shoot towards some goals. I want to be able to have, you know, be able to say, all right, these are my targets. This is what success looks like. But -hmm. success does not necessarily mean I have to have a thousand episodes. So what I did was I gave myself an intentional out every 50 episodes. Hmm. So I said, all right, when I first, you know, I thought, all right, I'm going to go for 50 episodes, which is almost a year, right? If I'm doing mm-hmm. it once a week or one, yeah, once mm-hmm. a week. But I said, if I'm going to check myself and say, is it something that's still helping our business? Mm-hmm. Is it something I still feel called to? Is it something I still enjoy? If mm-hmm. the answers are yes, whether it's making money or not, I'm going to keep going. Right. Mm-hmm. But if the answer is no to any one of those questions, it's going to give me pause and allow me to say, hey, I'm going to put I can put that on that's 50 episodes. I can put that on the shelf as a success and yeah. say, all right, boom, I'm moving on to the next thing. And so I've done that every 50 episodes, which is about, mm-hmm. you know, once a year. And it's mm-hmm. allowed me to stay and say, all right, you know what? I'm still, I believe doing this for the right reasons. I, I enjoy it. It's benefiting our business, seems to be making an impact. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's growing all of those things. So that also helped me to kind of move away and free myself from some of that pressure that was starting to come from the success. Oh, that's, that's, that's a really good, almost like a check. Like you can, I I don't know if you have rhythms or patterns in your life, but for myself once a year, uh, like I make a, 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 a a habit of reading my, my father-in-law is a very successful businessman said every business person should read the book of Ecclesiastes at least once a year. Oh boy. Yes. And, and so I try to block out some space and there's a few other things that I read, but uh, reading the book of Ecclesiastes once a year is kind of a time of self-reflection where we've been great. in the past, where are we going in the future? And that's kind of what I hear you saying is, is one is really, it's a pressure valve. It kind of le- relieves the pressure and it gives you a time of reflection. Is it still accomplishing what we, what we want it to do? Yep. That's, that's, that's really wise. Absolutely. Well, I, yeah, it's, it's uh, Ecclesiastes is, is amazing. Um, and, and rhythms and patterns are so good and, and so mm-hmm. important, but it, it's been huge. And I'll give you one, one bonus story, Chad, you'll appreciate, which is probably horrifying to everybody that's listening. But as we were approaching 300 episodes, 300, which was a real big mile mark, you know, yeah. for milestone for me, it's like, you know, I don't know what it was about 300, but it just was like, I'm really looking forward to that. Our audience was growing all of those things. Um, two episodes before 300, something broke and hmm. we later on figured out it was, it was a plugin that we'd been using our, my original producer used it. We shouldn't have, it was deep in the machine, all of those things. And, and we lost about 90% of hmm. our audience in a day, Just Oh wow! Gone. all uh, like our subscribers gone in a day. And I was two episodes away from 300 you know, and it was wild. It was heart wrenching. It was heartbreaking. It was all those things. And after I got up from, you know, laying on the floor, like a tub of goo for a little while, right. I got back up. And of course we started to try to figure out what was happening, what was going on. Um, Could we get those people back? It it gave me, it forced me to pause. Hmm. And I, 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 I solidly believe that God does not cause the bad things to happen in our lives, but he can definitely redeem them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that taught me was 
you know, I, at first, of course, I was heartbroken. I was, you know, it was heart wrenching, all of those things. But then I, I, I was able to ask myself, okay, what do I want to do next? Hmm. Right? Um, because here, you know, 90% of our audience was gone. 10% were still there, but that looked pretty small compared to the numbers we were yeah. in, you know, and yeah. all of that. And it's like, I could quit yeah. and maybe nobody would notice, right? Um, and I started to ask myself, why am I doing this? Am I doing it just for our business? Am I doing it just for the numbers? It's like, no, I'm doing it now because I feel called to it. I do enjoy it. And, and I do believe that we're doing some good. And so it, it's interesting because that experience, um, you know, it, it kind of gave me a, a new, um, you know, possible exit, Yeah, which would have completely been, you know, a defendable thing. I would have said, yeah, look, I lost 90% of my audience. We're just going to call it quits and put it up on the shelf and call it a success. And what's, what's wild is of course I prayed about it too. And God's like, we're not done. Hmm. We're not done. And so hmm. we stayed, we lean into it. We hit 300 limping along with about 10% of our original audience. And we were able to get it figured out in about 301. Um, we were able to get the audience back. Okay. Our subscribers all came back, all of those things. But it's wild because that 301 was so satisfying. And it was it was just like even more beautiful. And actually it's it's grown immensely since. Um, yeah. And so I, I don't know, there's there are those seasons, you know, it's like yeah. like Ecclesiastes says, it's like, you know, for every season, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's that whole thing of sometimes, sometimes those setbacks are complete setups for that next hmm. season that we're moving into. Man, that's so true. What we're going through right now, I think a lot of times God is just training us for what's going to come next. Absolutely. Both He's a good the, father, uh, right? Like that's just good. That's good parenting for crying out loud. It just doesn't always feel like it in the moment. Yeah, very, very true. So so you said something that really surprises me. Yeah. You said that you're an introvert. Yep. I would never have guessed that because, <laughs> because look at, look at your role as a coach, your role yep. as a motivational speaker, your podcast, all of those are things that are out there. Yeah. And, uh, that takes a, as an introvert, then that must take a lot of energy from you to be able to do those things or, or, or talk about that being an introvert. Cause I'm an introvert as well. Yeah. So, so just talk about how does, what does that look like just as a, as an introverted leader being in roles for your have to have this extrovert persona. Yeah, absolutely. So I always say that I'm an introvert who's who loves people and has learned to yeah. do extroverted things, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I do joke. I say God's great sense of humor is that, you know, my day job as an introvert is to be in rooms in, non, in normal times, non-COVID times, to be in rooms of 500 total strangers, <laughs> uh, you know, and that's that's my day job. Um, now, what's, what's interesting about that is, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that will lean on like Myers-Briggs to help them figure mm -hmm. out, am I an extrovert? Am I an introvert? Uh, and, and those things are great. Those, you know, any kind of personality mm -hmm. indicators, those kinds of things are, are valuable and they can be helpful. But I would say if you're really wanting to know whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it's, it's to ask one question. And that is, how do you re-energize? Mm -hmm. Um, an extrovert will tell you that, you know, oftentimes an extrovert will be the way that they re-energize. If they're depleted, they're exhausted after a long day, they want to grab five of their closest friends, go have a drink, relax, <laughs> laugh, all of those. But yeah. a, an introvert will say, Hey, the way that I re-energize, the way that I refocus is to have some alone time. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I don't love people. I know you're an introvert. Yeah. You still love people. You want to serve yeah. people. But what that means to me is, is that I have to be very intentional about my introvert time. 
So as an example today, I'll have, I think I have six coaching calls. I have this conversation with you, which is fantastic. I had a meeting, all of that. So my family knows tonight, dad's got to have some introvert time, right? Like it's just, it's a part of the restoration. Now I live with mostly, we've got two other introverts and an ambivert and ambiverts, that person that's in the middle. So everybody knows, like we've talked about it. That's a part of our rhythm is that, and everybody's the same, like, Hey, I love you all. I just need an hour or two hours to just be a little alone to get my words back, to get, you know, mm -hmm. all of those things. And so we try to build introvert time hmm. into our calendar. Um, and then we also force ourselves to have some extrovert time because if we, you know, we're all busy people, all the people under my, our, you know, our roof, our, you know, my family, we're all busy, full, full scheduled people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to be careful that all of our time is an introvert time. So, yeah. you know, we make sure that we also build in some extroverted time, that kind of thing. So, but I, I do think that, you know, God's designed us for a reason. Um, and I, I think that some people see being an introvert as a weakness, to be perfectly mm -hmm. honest. I think it's a strength, especially mm -hmm. as a leader, um, mm -hmm. because oftentimes there, there's a lot of strengths with being an extrovert. Um, but with introverts, oftentimes we don't want to be in the limelight right? We don't want to be the focus yeah. of the, the conversation. So that often makes us uh, more quick to ask questions, to put yeah. someone else, put the spotlight on someone else. Gosh, that's a great way to be a leader. That's a great way to be a coach. Yeah. A lot of people are like, gosh, you're a coach. You know, how do you do that as an introvert? It's like, are you kidding? That's one of my superpowers. Because <laughs> as a coach, I talk 20% of the time. I let my client talk 80% of the time. That's pay dirt yeah. for an introvert. Like yeah. I get paid yeah. to be an introvert for crying out loud. So there are a lot of strengths as, as an introvert that I think as leaders, um, you know, as communicators, as networkers. I mean, I know, you know, you have an amazing network of clients, people who love you, know you, like you. You know, a lot of people say, you know, gosh, isn't it easier to build a network if you're an extrovert? And it certainly can be because you love being with mm -hmm. people. But oftentimes, if introverts truly understand their superpowers, um, we can be amazing networkers because, yeah. you know, what's yeah. anybody's favorite subject themselves, themselves. right? Yeah. So an yeah. introvert is great at drawing that out. Tell me a story. Yeah. Tell me what that meant to you. Tell me what you do. Why did you get into that? You know, those kinds of yeah. things. My gosh. And we we can be great connectors, right? We just don't have to be the life of the party. We don't have to be, you know, in the spotlight. So I think yep. that there's a lot of superpowers with coming with being an introvert. That's that's really helpful, especially what you said, being in, again the word intentional. I've heard yep. you say that a few times about building introvert time into your calendar and yep. doing that as your with with your whole family. Yep. I mean that those are those, those kinds of life lessons are things that your your kids are going to take away for the rest of their life. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, when it's yeah. our older son is in basic training right now okay. in the military, yeah. and we get to talk to him for 30 minutes uh, on the weekends, usually on Sundays. And we've been talking about that. Like he's had to be even more intentional because sure. he gets no introvert time right now. So he's even found like we, we've talked about that. And, you know, leading up to this time, we were like, hey, you're not going to physically be able to have introverted time, like having your yeah. own space. So you're going to have to find that. You're going to have to create that. You're going to have to be intentional about just shutting down or maybe even in the yeah. 15 minutes before you really drop off to sleep, really kind of soothe that inner introvert because uh, but he's talked about how he's had to be more intentional with that than he's ever been. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and a part of that is because, you know, the physical, his physical surroundings, his circumstance don't allow for it right now. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. Also, I'd never heard the term ambivert. <laughs> yeah, it's a relatively Am- new, it's a relatively new identification. What's interesting okay. is, is that, so ambivert is right in the middle. So you've yeah. got extroverted, you've got introverted, and you've got ambivert in the middle. And what's interesting, a lot of people identify with ambivert because some people will say, well, some days I feel introverted, some days I feel extroverted. Mm-hmm. So ambivert is in the middle, but what it does is allows for that person that's kind of right in the middle mm-hmm. um, to, to kind of self-identify that yeah, it depends on the day. What I would also say is it also depends on the fatigue level. So yeah. that's a big question yeah. that people need to ask is like, when you're tired, Mm. which way do you lean? Sure. Um, And an ambivert will say, well, some days I'll lean towards going out with friends. Some days I'll lean towards a glass of wine and a good book. Like, okay, well, that's an ambivert. Just really tap into that. Be aware of that and get what you need um, because that's key. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good for leaders to think about, understand who you are. And then understand what you need to do to be intentional about uh, re-energizing uh, for, for your own self-health. Yep, yeah, absolutely. That's good. that's good. So so a lot of the folks that we work with are in, like they're leading the digital initiatives inside their ministry. Yep. A lot, you know, they're creatives. They're, they're seeing what the new trends are. And some of the ministries that they work, work in have been around for years and years. Yep. So part of their job is to be able to help upper management, upper leadership, see the value in, in, of doing some, maybe some creative things that the ministry hasn't tried before. So, so in your coaching with folks, how would you coach somebody who needs to learn how to interact with upper management to yeah. be able to have more influence in, in, in his or her role? Absolutely. It's a great, great subject. And one of the things we talk a lot about is innovation, uh, spreading new ideas. And, mm-hmm. and I know your audience, obviously, they're on that, you know, they're the spear tip or the tip of the spear when mm-hmm. it comes to innovation. But I'm guessing it also tends to meet with resistance sometimes. And one of the things I talk about when I talk about spreading an idea is something to say, to be aware of something we call the intellectual immune system. Okay. And the intellectual immune system is just kind of a pattern. It's a, it's something that exists within all of us. As I explain it, you'll probably get it immediately. You probably experienced it, but you know, something that I realized is that the intellect has an immune system similar to our bodies, not medically, but metaphorically. And so as you can imagine, you know, well, maybe just to revisit the, the immune system itself for just a second, that will help. So when you think about the immune system, talk about how mind-blowing God's creation is, right? Like that that we would have an immune system that would attack things that come from outside us, right? Mm-hmm. To keep us safe, to keep us healthy. It's incredible, right? But mm-hmm. we also know that, let's say we need to have a, a, a transplant, right? Um, an organ transplant. I had a friend that got very sick. They did all sorts of tests, figured out he needed a kidney transplant. Um, His Mm. mom stepped up to the plate. She was a perfect match. They found one of the best surgeons in the country. He was able to do it. They they were able to do the procedure flawlessly. Not Mm. a mistake was made. And so my friend, he knew that he needed it. His mom was a perfect match. The surgeon did a perfect job, like amazing job. Um, but what did what did his body do? Even though he knew he needed it, even though it was a perfect match, even though it was executed perfectly, what did his body do to that new kidney? Did it reject it? Or it did rejected it? it, right? Because, wow. and wow. why? 
because it came from something outside new, him, right? Like new. that's yeah. what our immune system yeah. does. We do the same thing with ideas, right? Yeah. We, yeah. we, we know that we need to take, you know, a new approach. We need to try something different, right? But oftentimes if that idea feels like it comes from outside us, yeah, we reject it. Right. Um, even if it's good advice, even if it's a good strategy, oftentimes because we don't feel a sense of ownership over that idea, we shut mm -hmm. it down. Mm -hmm. Now, just like my friend with the new kidney, there were drugs that helped to actually calm his immune system, right? And accept that new idea. We can do that too with the intellectual immune system. And part mm -hmm. of that calming of the, you know, the intellectual immune system is inviting ownership. Mm -hmm. So when I bring a new mm -hmm. idea to like, I, you know, I have a, a, some different teams that I work with, some of the different services and products that we provide, you know, I've got different mm -hmm. teams, amazing people. And here's the thing that's wild about this, Chad, as, as you can well imagine, is wildly talented, successful people have a heightened immune system, intellectual system, as oftentimes their ideas have worked, right? Mm -hmm. They've had success. Mm -hmm. And so they know they can trust ideas they feel ownership over. Right. Um, and yeah. so when we bring them an idea that they either feel is foreign or outside them, oftentimes they're going to reject it just because not necessarily even from a conscious level, yeah. but from a subconscious yeah. level, yeah. it'd be like, whoa, whoa, tap the brakes. Whoa, whoa. I'm not familiar yeah. with that. Whoa, whoa. That's from outside. All of those yeah. things. So one of the things that I like to do is to say, hey, if you're going to bring a new idea, bring it. But but to be able to say, one, be aware of the intellectual immune system right? Mm -hmm. Just know that mm -hmm. that's part, probably part of the resistance. And it's not often because that person says, this person's an idiot for bringing this yeah. idea. It's just like, whoa, it makes me feel uncomfortable. It's from outside yeah. me. Um, you know, all of those things, right? I don't have any ownership over this. And they're not doing it at a conscious level. They're doing it mm -hmm. at a subconscious level. But to say, all right, you know, I had an idea. I'd love to run it past you. And here's what I do is I say, hey, give them the idea, give them access to the information, walk them through it. Mm -hmm. But then instead of saying, hey, we should do this, mm -hmm. say, how could we make it better? Mm -hmm. how, how might we try that here? Mm -hmm. How do you think we could use this? Mm -hmm. And what that does is that, you know, that goes from information to ownership, mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, mm -hmm. we should do this. We should run with this. We need this right now. Say, hey, this is a tool that I found. I want to just talk you through it, but I want to get your ideas on. I want to get your input. And what that yeah. does is oftentimes that will help them, one, accept the information, be more open to the information, but then also start to feel a sense of ownership. And this is where people, sometimes people are like, wait, is this manipulation or a Jedi mind trick somehow? <laughs> are you, are you trying to move them in a direction? It's like, well, yeah, you are, you are influencing them. But I also believe that if, you know, you don't have to take the manipulation approach. Like if I bring this to my team and yeah. I'm aware of the intellectual immune system, I legitimately, like I'm surrounded by successful yeah. people. So I legitimately want to get their input. And yeah. if I ping their intellectual immune system too early, I'm not going to get their best thinking. Yeah. So I'll yeah. say, Hey, listen, check this out. I just saw this strategy, or I just saw this approach, or I just saw this app. What do you, you know, they're using it this way. What do you think? How can yeah. we use this? You know, how might we use this? How can yeah. we make this better? Right. And by inviting that ownership, oftentimes we get over the intellectual immune system and oftentimes we get much faster, open, you know, uh, open adoption of those ideas. Yeah. I love those questions. How might we make this better? How might we try it here? And, and what you just described isn't just a, a like up the chain, 
that's a that, that's at every level at down Absolutely. the chain peer level up the chain it's yep. a it's a it's a, a process a technique that i can yeah I'm, I'm it, it is and it, it, it is kind of a jedi that. mind trick i'll be i'll be perfectly honest but what's beautiful about it is it works for positional leadership yeah. and situational leadership yeah. i know i would imagine a yeah. lot of the folks that you're listening you know that are listening some of them have positional leadership or they're mm-hmm. working with somebody above them but probably a yeah. lot of them are working on teams and yeah. you know spreading an idea amongst peers can be harder sometimes than moving it yeah. up a chain so to be able to say, you know, if you've got a group of peers to be able to invite ownership is powerful. And, yeah. you know, you think about, it, let's, let's go back to the best teacher ever. What did Jesus do? He told stories and he asked questions. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. it's one of those where you're like, oh my gosh, like talk about somebody who understood the intellectual immune system. Most of the yeah. time he would say something to make his point. He wouldn't debate someone. He never debated somebody into heaven. That's right. Yeah. He asked questions. He yep. invited ownership. He 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 opened the door for epiphany and awareness as yep. opposed to debate, defenses, you know, putting up your defenses, putting up the walls. Um, yep. and so I'm like, hey man, if, if J Man's doing it, then I suppose we can too, right? So no, that's really good, Mitch. Really good. So so what is one book or resource or something that you've read recently that you can recommend to our audience? Okay, well, this one, I, I, I'm so glad you asked this question, and this may or may not um, be one that resonates, but I have a yeah. feeling it might. Yeah. And it's so not necessarily like spiritual or biblical, or, yeah. but at the same time, it absolutely is. So, I, you know, I mentioned the Jedi mind trick, so I might have outed myself as a total geek. Uh, but uh, my son just got me a book, our younger son got me a book, and it's called mm-hmm. George Lucas, A Life. Hmm. And whether you're a Star Wars fan or not, um, this book is absolutely fascinating. Now, I will say that if you're a Star Wars fan, it will definitely be more interesting. But if you want to talk about understanding the mind of, and and more so the journey Hmm. of an innovator, Mm -hmm. it is wildly revealing. Um, From the standpoint of George Lucas, obviously, you know, wrote and created Star Wars, the most successful franchise. I mean, other than the Marvel franchise, the standalone, like one person career franchise, wildly successful to get paid personally by Disney $4 billion for that idea. You know, that's that's pretty incredible. When you read these pages, you realize just how messy that mm. process was. How many different... Um, intersections where it could have gone hmm. just a little bit different direction and completely different results. The wildly important components of community, not isolating, staying mm-hmm. the course. It is it is an incredibly powerfully written, um, you know, biography. And I, I enjoy hmm. biographies, uh, but it is it is so revealing and it's been so encouraging for me because there are days, you know, where it's like, okay, we're going to make it, this is going to happen. And then there are days where it's like, it's all coming crashing down, you know, all those things. Yeah. And to realize yeah. George Lucas has experienced that. Do you realize, yeah. you know, Steven Spielberg, was, he became a good friend of George Lucas during this time. Hmm. So right now I'm reading about Steven Spielberg launching Jaws. Hmm. Launching Jaws almost killed Steven Spielberg. 
Like, wow. like afterwards, it was an obvious success. He was this close to a personal breakdown, wow. uh, just a complete nervous breakdown during Jaws um, because nothing was working. Same thing. I mean, for Star Wars, Star Wars wound up like George Lucas started shooting. Then they cut his budget while they were shooting. Hmm. And so a bunch of the things they needed to get done, they couldn't get done. They had to move everything forward by nine weeks. So like Anthony Daniels, who's played C-3PO in every movie that Star Wars has ever had, his original suit in Star Wars was cutting him because it was made so piecemeal, like he was getting cut every day. He would fall over and you couldn't hear him. So Anthony Daniels, they would find Anthony Daniels and he'd been laying on the sand for like 15 minutes. Nobody knew that he'd been falling over. Like all these things, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, mm. but they still made this incredible franchise. So I think, yeah. you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, you'll love it, but even yeah. more so as an entrepreneur, as a creator, as someone who's trying to, to move the needle, it is so powerful. Oh, that's, that's really good. It reminds me of uh, the story of Pixar as well. Oh, right. And, Too much. Uh, Very much. Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, talk about a group of misfits, you know, with, with yeah. an impossible dream. But they had a belief and they stayed yeah. true to it. It's it's absolutely uh, absolutely amazing. So yeah, 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 great. Well, Mitch, thanks so much for joining us today. This has been super super insightful and helpful. Uh, how can folks get a hold of you? How can folks contact you if they want to listen to your podcast? If they want to connect you for coaching or speaking or any of those things? I love it. Thank you, Chad. So the best way to go was just to go to MitchMatthews.com. Um, we spent our ent entire marketing budget coming up with that domain name, uh, but it's MitchMatthews.com. Um, that's where you'll be able to find my Dream Think Do uh, podcast, as well as some of the other services and um, offerings that we have. And uh, it's a great way for us to connect. You can also then connect with me on all the social media platforms that we're on, that kind of thing. I'd welcome that. And uh, I know that your audience is doing fantastic work. Definitely want to encourage them and support them in anything that they're doing. Great. Well, again, thanks so much. Really helpful, really insightful. And uh, we, we look forward to connecting with you sometime in the future. I appreciate it. Thanks so much.